welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. This is the Real Rap with Reynolds Sunday Night Teacher Talk. Um, my name is C.J. Reynolds, and if you are new here, then you are in a really great space because this is what's going to happen tonight. Show up live every single Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We, me and all this group of individuals here on the side, um, show up to answer your questions. So it is like an army of help that you may need on a Sunday night getting ready for school. And maybe since this is the week before Christmas and most of you are on winter break now, this is a good time to like talk about something else, to get prepared for the new year, to figure out if indeed this was the right choice getting into this profession and then how can we help one another. So there's a lot of ways we can help one another. So the real quick glimpse of that, the SparkNotes version is, this uh, happens every single week and all these wonderful people are gonna help me out answering your questions. Two, you can go over to the Facebook group with um, Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk on Facebook exists also. Um, I also do speaking engagements where I can come to your school and talk. I also have a website, realrapwithreynolds.com. I also have a book coming out called Teacher Class Off, The Real Rap Guide to Teaching. That's coming on 2020, Mar in March of 2020. Um, and I'm going to give a little bit of more information about that tonight. So there's all this stuff that is, all of it, with the exception of the book, is all free for you to help you on your sort of teaching journey um, and that's that. And then if you want, there is a mentoring session that is paid uh, caveat. So like um, you go to my website, you sign up for tutor or for tutoring for mentoring. Um, and you can find out how to do that there and see the rates and availability and all that stuff. So if you want like one on one mentoring, um, I've never had anyone that's told me that I did a bad job yet either. So maybe one person, but I don't know. They didn't say so. You know, I'm not sure where it goes. So anyway, here's the gig. Uh, you put your question on the side and we will talk about anything. And if I don't know the answer, um, I just shoot it out to the crowd and they usually know the answer. And sometimes uh, you get more answers than you ever kind of bargained for. Um, so look, it's it's beginning a break. I'm not sure what everyone wants to talk about. I have other stuff I can, I, I'm thinking about. Um, like I'm thinking like this time of year is really interesting for me because uh, I've just, I've lost. So we lost my grandmother this year and my father-in-law passed in July. And so we keep thinking about my wife and I, how this is like the first year really without them. And this is, you know, 21 years ago, my mom passed away uh, right before Christmas. And so, and my dad died when I was a kid. So like, th there's all these sort of triggers in the, in the holiday season all the time that are like, it's, it's, we know it as, the most wonderful time of the year and then but it's like also like the most stressful time of the year where you're just like shit do i have enough money to buy stuff and do things and like am i giving enough attention to my kids and then like are people being reciprocal and like it, it's this tricky kind of trigger season for people too so um i don't know why i brought that up but i felt like maybe somebody needed to hear that and it's all good like um and and i can prove it so uh, just put your question in there and I'll, and I'll prove it to you. So is this a question first? Uh, I think it moved. Okay. Um, okay. So we'll get back. We're going in order as we always do, but I think I, the no, chat jumped. Didn't do I it. didn't miss it? No, it's just your phone. Okay, word. Um, so Hot for Teaching is saying, I made it. You did. Good job. Uh, how do you motivate unmotivated students? The students I'm uh, talking about. Students I'm talking about do not seem to have parental support. So 
Um, you know, I parental support is a tricky thing because I'm not sure kids even always know that they don't have parental support. Like, like I, I think when you go without, you don't even realize like what you're missing in life. Right. So like one of the things, um, and, and I don't know why I'm, I'm going to answer your question, but I, I, this just has me thinking about this idea where my children are loved more than they could ever conceive. Like they just don't get how much we love them. That like literally as my wife and I are talking every morning, we have a morning meeting every single morning, which is like one of our things we did for New Year's last year. And my son comes down the steps and we hear, he sounds like Tom Hanks in Big when he turns into a giant and jumps out of his bunk bed and the whole ceiling is just like, and comes heavy footed down the steps. And then he always says something in the morning. I literally stop what I'm doing. We will stop our conversation conversation just to see him enter the room because I swear that the room gets a little bit brighter when both of my kids come in. They can't conceive that yet. But my, my secret hope is that someday they will meet someone. Like, and it's, it's not even like a secret hope because this means that someone else has to have a, a lesser situation. But I just want them to note like, like maybe like how good it is like because I just – I want them to be able to do that for their own kids. And I think you can only give what you know that you have and, and sometimes. So anyway, um, how do you motivate unmotivated kids? I have a class that is extremely apathetic. Um, so no matter what I do, they just seem this year, they seem like they just don't care. They don't want to do it. Nothing's cool enough. And so I have two ideas when I go back to school. Um, so there's two choices either because I've been getting a million good ideas lately. Like I'm just been really in this kind of flow of like thinking about great stuff that I can do for the rest of the year and people I can connect with and lessons that I can have happen and where they can happen in the school and how we're going to go outside or down the block or around the corner or do a lesson on the street, like all this great kind of stuff that I'm thinking about. Um, so in that, uh, what do I do with the naysayers? What do I do when I'm trying to set the tone and make something kind of dramatic or magical and someone disses it in the middle of it or tries to steal the lesson away from us? I think what I'm going to do is just focus on kids that are really wanting to do it. And when I have an activity where we're going outside or doing something else, I, and maybe maybe someone will speak against us and, and I'm, I'm welcome to that conversation, but I'm thinking about having alternative assignments for students that are disinterested in that. So in lieu of going downstairs onto the stage that we have in our dining hall, in lieu of going out to the field, trying to maybe like, cause those things aren't happening every single day, right? Like this is like intermittent stuff in it, like weaved into whole lessons or it's part of a class. It's five, 10, 15, 20 minutes of an activity somewhere, then going back to the room and then getting down with whatever we have to get down with. Could I split the class and leave unmotivated students there? And then what you're doing in that, that, that I've learned, because this is what I do with trips. Like I don't take anyone that, that I can't trust on a trip. And doing that, I am creating the small like pocket of students that are getting really excited about stuff, that are doing stuff, that are 100% into it. And then they're coming back to the class and can that goodness that is now on them spread to the rest of the class because we did this thing and it was so great. And then we're just rolling right back into class. Is that enough to sort of in, infect the other students? Is it contagious enough? Is that joy and happiness contagious enough? Um, 
because I don't want to make someone do something that they don't want. I'm not, I'm not here to, to trick you into doing something as your teacher. I'm here. Like Mr. Miyagi said, like the expectation is you show up to, to like, if you're showing up to learn karate, then I'm showing up to teach karate. But if you don't want to learn karate, like that's not a good kind of way to go about that. So that's, that's one of the things I'm, I'm toying with the idea of. Um, and then just figuring out the logistics of that. Like, how can I get someone to kind of like hang with my class? Is there someone available um, where I can even give this a, a test run? So that's what I'm thinking about. I'm not sure if that's a good answer or not, but um, you know, but I'm, that's what I'm playing with. So we'll see. Uh, next question. Morgan Oliver is saying, how long have you been teaching for? Um, I think, I think 15 years. And my math might be wrong. It might be 14 years, but I'm pretty sure it's been 15 years. So I taught in Camden for the first five. And then I think I've been in West Philly for 10 now, but that's the reason I teach English and not math. And it's always been, I've taught ninth grade literature that whole time, but they, but I have taught other things in there. Like I've taught newspaper and drama, even though I was only in a play once in my life at the Morristown mall when I was in sixth grade. Um, I taught, uh, Shakespeare. I've taught the history of hip hop. I've not, I've taught 12th grade. I've taught 10th grade, but ninth grade has been the constant the whole time for the last 15 or 14 years. Um, Brennan streak. I'm just taking with first names. That's it. From now on, it's the new rule. Brennan is asking, um, I need differentiation tips. Awesome. That's first of all, congratulations to you for even like letting that be a thing and like being, like trying to figure that out. I teach fifth and I only have 17, but there is an extreme range of skill levels and abilities and paces um, that they all work at. I'm in my first year and starting from scratch. So teach fifth grade. So can we, Brent, can you, here's what I would ask for you to do. One, anyone in the chat that teaches fifth grade and has some ideas, go ahead and put them in there. Two, I would also post this in the Facebook group because I feel like you're going to find fifth grade teachers there. Um, and I would put that in your top line, like fifth grade teacher looking for differentiation trip tips. I think sometimes it is, I think this is where student choice helps you out with a lot of stuff. So differentiation, remember is my guys, when we, last year we started a few years ago, I started a couple of weird things that I saw a major pushback in unlike ever before. One was using Play-Doh. So instead of talking about characterization and, drawing pictures and stuff like that. We start using Play-Doh to create characters or scenes and then, then writing about them. And my students that were really kinesthetic, that were like having a hard time sitting in their seat, were able to just focus in and do that one thing because they were manipulating something. So they were doing something with the energy or they were just tended to be a little bit more artistic in general. That really helped those students. Um, but other kids that just did well in school at listening to notes, answering questions, at regurgitating on the test, what you said, those students had a really good time or like had a really hard time doing something more artistic. It was a different part of their brain that was that they were they were sort of having to use and they didn't like that. Differentiation is just that. It is doing things that are going to stretch all students. So it's not about making everyone happy. It's about getting things, helping students to find success on some level while challenging other students. And so sometimes those sort of typical vanilla students that are, are good at the machine already um, get pushed and they're uncomfortable and they don't really like that. So it is 
I used to think that differentiation was like trying different stuff. So everybody, so like I was finding more calm in my class, but really in my experience, differentiation leads to more madness. But I think it's about leaning into that madness. It's about knowing that there's going to be madness. It's like a chef doesn't go into a kitchen. If you've ever seen any movie about cooking, it's crazy town in there. You're not in there trying to minimize the crazy. You're trying to run with it. And so I would start figuring out what do your students like doing and trying stuff. Just trying stuff gives you the ability to, um, I realize that this will, I'm doing long answers tonight to short questions. So I'm going to try and sum this up. Um, it is trying a whole bunch of stuff. And when it doesn't work saying, I don't think this worked, let's try something else. Or what do we think we could do to make this better? Um, and then that's what I would start thinking about. So trying, I would, but I think part of that gets, takes getting to know your students, what they're interested in, what they're not interested in, what they would think is exciting. So we just did our children's book activity where the kids wrote children's books. And this is ninth graders writing children's literature uh, with illustrations. And it was really fun because it let me see like what kids really gravitate towards that, what kids hated it, what kids had a really hard time, like coming up with an image and attaching it to fewer words. And so it gives you all this Intel, but it's about collecting that Intel and then using it on the next thing. Uh, Courtney is asking, I'm going to internship next semester, not student teaching yet. And I was wondering what to expect. So internship, I think is like when you just kind of like show up and observe and maybe they give you some stuff to do, but not necessarily if that there's any amount of that, that is, if that's what you're talking about, here's what I would do. I think one, one of the things I love, I had these two girls and I'm going to call them out because uh, I don't know if they watch these live feeds, but if they do, um, Maggie and Christina from St. Joe's University are maybe the best two young women that have ever visited my classroom, I think. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go with that because they wanted to be involved. A lot of students show up. A lot of people ask to come and see my classroom or like if they're in Philly, like people that are on see me on YouTube, like will hit me up and say, like, can I come in for the day? Um, and if I can accommodate that, I do. But when they come in and someone is just kind of on their phone the whole time, I just think that that is like, look, I'm on my phone all the time. So like I'm not bashing being on your phone, but it's about being present in the moment. It's about be, like noting things that are going on and trying to get a full understanding as to how the classroom works, how it's organized. What's the teacher doing? When are they doing it? What do they allow the students to get away with? What do they allow them not to get away with? What are other classes doing in that school? So I would show up and ask point blank. Can I be a, a, a participant in what's happening? So maybe that's just handing stuff out, cleaning the board, running errands, copying things, um, doing one-on-one -on -one with certain students, speaking with students on the side and asking them about their experiences in the school. Um, I, I think it's trying to do that sort of thing, like doing grading, and that is going to help you get a better sense of what it's like to be an actual teacher than just watching it. Because you can watch... So you could just watch us online. You could watch people like, you know, you could watch, there's any number of resources that you could just watch, but how can you interact? And that's just going to be more fun for you too. Like it's, it's more fun to be in the game than it is to just watch the game. Uh, yeah. So that, that's what I would do. Um, and then take that outside the classroom too. Like if there's help that can be given to the drama department and you're into that or the lacrosse team and you're into that or the track team and you're into that or the sewing club and you're into that, like, Find places where you can interact with students and things that you really love anyway, 
and let your passion shine through on those things also. I have a hair in my shirt that is either yours or Marley's. And this happens every so often. And it is like, you try to ignore it, but then you're just like, gosh. And then you pull it out and it's like, very long. Yeah. <laughs> it's clearly. And then I can usually tell who it was after that, if it was you or Marley. Uh, just Julie is asking, how do you give your students a hundred percent when you're dealing with your own very real trauma? This is a great question. Uh, okay. I don't, that's my answer. I um, think you can nope. realistically. No. And, and here's why you shouldn't. Uh, because, because I think it's on, it's inauthentic. And I think that we mirror for our students what it is like to go through something. So when my grandmother was sick last year, uh, I was out. She fell and broke her leg on my birthday, um, which was November 20th. And then she was in the hospital. She passed away on Christmas Eve. A week or so before she died, she was in hospice, something like that. Um, and the whole thing was really traumatic. Like the hospital that she was at, it was like all these like like miscommunications and they did just a really poor job at the hospital that we were at. And so it was really like, traumatic. it was traumatic and trying to go into school and teach and be the, the me that I am like, wow, all the time. Like, like it's like David Lee Roth in your classroom is it's fake. And then what I found I was, was happening was like, I was short with students. I was getting pissed off at stuff that I didn't usually get pissed off at because I was, I was hurting already. And then whatever was happening was triggering that sort of reaction. I think with as much as you can, right. I'm not sure like how old your students are, but when you can having that conversation with your staff, uh, with your administration and with your students, if possible to say here, just so everyone knows, right. Like I care about you guys. And I, I'm very gender exclusive when I talk about students, cause I teach all boys. So it's a, it's a habit. Um, I want you all to know that I am having a really difficult time right now. This is what's happening in my life. And I'm not really sure how to deal with that. And so it bothers me. Um, and so I want you to know that like, I care about you. If I'm, if I come off as, as rude or uh, disrespectful, please hold me accountable for it. Um, because I want to be able to make it right. I don't want, I don't, I'm not willing, like I'm not intentionally trying to piss you off. So please know that. And if there's anything I can do like to, to help you or, or whatever, and, I, and I'm overlooking it, like I'm not seeing you with your, that you're struggling on something, please let me know because just know that my, I'm trying to stay focused, but it's really hard right now. And I think what I have seen over the years is students have an incredible amount of empathy that they are willing and wanting to share with someone else. They don't get these opportunities very often where adults are usually handling the adult stuff at home and they don't let the kids be a part of it. But now you're saying, here's where I am and here's how I'm hurting. And it gives kids the chance to say, I'm really sorry that you're going through that. My grandmother was sick last year also. Like I got, so my co-teacher last year, Mr. Fines, had the students write letters to me. And I got all these letters about kids that have like lost their grandparents or lost someone in their lives. Mm -hmm. I'm really sorry. Know that I'm praying for you. Aww. And it just really helped so much because we, I was willing to let the students in. Um, and if you don't want to share what you're going through, that's completely fine too. Like, don't like, if you're going through a divorce and you're not really wanting to share that information or, or your students are particularly young and you have something that's really tricky, then don't like, that's cool. But you can still say, 
I'm going through something really hard right now. I can't really share the details, but just know that my heart is breaking and I'm having a hard time. Um, but I care for you. And, and then the rest of what I said is, is, I think, the way that I would handle that. Um, Peter is asking, I just finished my first semester as a first year high school teacher. First of all, Peter, congratulations. It is winter break will be the greatest thing that ever happened to you. Um, and so I'm glad that you made it. Um, I have four preps, integrated math, one, three CP and two EL classes. How do I make high quality lessons so that the preps, so that so many preps and so little time? Josh. Oh, wait, did you read his one down there? Oh, no. I gave you his last name pronunciation. Oh, <laughs> my man, you, you've watched before uh, or you've just run into that. Swarty man. Swarty man. Swarty man. That's kind of a cool name. I wonder what the like. That feels like one of those things you'd look up and you'd find out something like badass about yourself. Yeah, like you were like. Yeah. Game of Thrones ish. Uh, <laughs> I tell my kids it's the most important vocab word to learn in four years. That's awesome. Uh, gosh. So here I'm going to throw it to everyone in, in the chat. What do you do when you have? preps that do not align. So I know sometimes you can cheat. And I've taught ninth and 10th grade in the same year or ninth, 10th and 12th in the same year or ninth and 10th and my elective. And I make things overlap somewhat where it's like different books, same activity. So if we're doing the Plato lesson, um, we're doing it in ninth and 10th grade. We're doing it with the books that we're reading, but we're, so it's the same activity, same kind of like writing exercise or whatever same intro journal entry that we're doing that day, same kind of thing, but it is slightly different. So independent reading is always on Wednesday. It's always for 20 minutes. And so I do that with multiple classes during the day. Like no matter what the class is, I can input that. Um, Plato, building with Legos, do, doing some sort of like exercise or lesson on symbolism or imagery can all be the same thing. It's just the text is different. So, but what do you all do when you have different, completely different classes to help minimize that? Because I feel like, you know, Peter, what I'm thinking is that's the kind of stuff that is the most taxing on teachers is like, there's, you're being asked to do more. I, I think you're being asked to do more than, than what you should be asked to do. Like, like mm -hmm. what if teachers could really be specialists? And I never really thought about this until a few years ago, Cho was telling me that she was teaching biology. And she had to teach chemistry now because someone left. And, and I was like, no, it's just science. Like, no, it's just science. <laughs> and she's like, no, dude, it's like completely different. She's like, if you teach algebra, it doesn't mean you can do calculus. And I thought, um, yeah, that's really interesting because literature is literature. I mean, like it's like freaking reading and interpreting what you're reading and speaking to it. Uh, but I didn't think of that, of that. So I'm just wondering like what all of you think. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to phone a friend on that one and just see like what people are uh, are thinking about in, in the chat there. Um, and that's another good one to put on the Facebook group. Also, I feel like people would have a really good idea. But, um, you know, if it's too much to like, look, Peter, I think the number one thing that teachers don't do that they should is say no. And I know it's your first year, but like going to admin and saying, I, I've done this before. Here's all the stuff that you want me to do. I'm really wondering in your mind, 
how this should all take place. Like, how do I allocate the proper amount of time to get all the emails, the special ed paperwork, the planning for every single thing, the PLC stuff done, the year end. What the hell is that thing I'm making? Oh, I don't even know. This, uh, like I have to make like a. You have to assess yourself. Essentially assess myself and give myself goals and then present it at the end of the year so I can get a raise. Even though I asked if I don't do this, can I just opt out of the raise? And I was told no. Um, so, but it's sometimes just saying, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that thing. Um, but be, and then why? Like, not because I'm not getting paid enough or anything like that. It's always because I want to put more time into students, but instead I'm wasting time doing essentially nonsense um, and paperwork so that we can, I don't know, have a paper trail something. I don't know. So I yeah, it's just boundaries. And I think yeah. that's something that we're learning in general is yeah. important. And it transfers into your, especially into this job, I yeah. think for teachers, because I think sometimes admin gives endless. you jobs. Yeah. I don't think they really, I don't think they think realize how much like, oh, you're teaching three different subjects and you're moving classes all day and you have this many special ed kids in your room and you don't have any help in those special ed And rooms. you're supposed to have self-care as well. Like throw yeah. that in there. Yeah, so like, I, I just, uh, I honestly think sometimes, I think sometimes the people that hurt us the most are not sure they're hurting us the most or the, or they're, when someone shows up late to dinner and they just think, oh, sorry, I'm a little bit late, but you're like, shit's cold now. Like, you know, that was really rude. I just don't, don't think that everyone knows that all the time. So it's, I think- and it doesn't have to look rude. It's just about like going to someone and saying, it's my first year. Excuse my ignorance. Like you can go in with that kind of mindset. I'm not sure how to balance all of this. Stuff. Like could someone like take a minute and talk me through this because it seems like a lot. And I think sometimes folks will help you do that. And then they go, oh, no, wait, this is a lot. This is like, like, sorry. Um, or, or here's how you could do that. I think that's just, that's worth a try. Kimberly Wallback, my old friend is saying, um, I'm a para and I want to go back to school to get my teaching cert. What is the easiest way to start? So Kim, that depends on where you want to teach. So like, I, I think if you want to be at like, um, sometimes like schools that pay well, like, so if you want to be at like a, like a, like a school in a nicer area, that's going to take my sense is that it takes college. Sometimes it takes a master's. Um, I tried to get into a school that was just a public school. I didn't know it was so bougie into a public school in Jersey when I left Camden because I knew I needed to make more money because I was making not enough after our second child was born to like actually buy toilet paper. Um, so it's a true story. Uh, so I applied and it turns out the guy that beat me had his undergrad from Harvard and he had his master's from University of Pennsylvania. And I'm like, I have my master's from community college. Um, I actually don't, don't even have, have a master's. A master's. I, don't, <laughs> I don't, but I went to community college for a long time. I did go to cashier college when I worked at Home Depot. So I'm not sure if that counts for anything, but it's possible. Uh, so in that, um, there's also like alternative route. So you could get a job like essentially right away and you just go through the program um, and you go like some nights and some weekends, you have to go to training or schooling for that. And then at the end of that, sometimes you get a master's, sometimes you just get a teaching certification, but that's an that's a possibility. There's organizations like Teach for America, which is sometimes more trouble than it's worth. And I don't think you're always certain like where you're going to end up, but they also end up with, I think you end up still with a master's and you can, uh, be certified. Other schools, I know when I worked in Camden, there are people that didn't have a teaching certification that they hired 
and gave what's called an emergency certification because they just needed teachers so bad that they would say, okay, you're like the hired gun. But I think that all ended with them actually having a certification after so many, it was like common law marriage, but with teaching. So strange. Yeah. So but th- those were like straight title one schools that really needed it. So I would think about where you want to teach. And then I would just reach out to a local university and ask like their education department. And maybe somebody in here can speak more to that and say like, this is what our school did, or this is how like somebody went through that to, uh, to, to deal with it. So like, how, how did you all best kind of deal with that? Um, John Lopez uh, is asking, John Lopez, I got your thing the other day in the mail and it was such a joy to open because um, your penmanship is always magical. And I didn't check out those people you recommended yet, but I'm going to. Uh, and I'm looking forward to making that hot chocolate, like, a lot. Um, with sriracha in it, by the way. Yeah. With the blender to make it all yeah, frothy. I know, We're I know. Totally I like that he said, for an out-of-body experience, put <laughs> sriracha in it. I'm pumped. Yes, this is a great idea. Well, when I was in Belize, we we took, like, cacao mm-hmm. and made, like, essentially, like, made hot chocolate. And then one of the things that made it really great was they put a little bit of, like, red pepper in it. Well, where did we go to some- that restaurant somewhere like in the city like this really really awesome low-key mexican restaurant and oh, yeah. like mexican coffee or was it was it, it was Los, mexican Los coffee. Swales or something yeah, like that it was like a mexican coffee but same thing with a, like a little pepper in it that was, it was oh their mexican jamming. coffee was jamming we used to go to this mexican joint <gasps> no he said i'm joking about the sriracha no you're not really John, oh, guess what? I'm you just broke No, I don't now. want sriracha in it, but I want like a Mexican. Like I got, I want to put some kind of good, peppery. I have good chili powder. I wonder if we can, let's look up yeah. the recipe. Her mom is Mexican. So we get like the good stuff from New Mexico. She like, she's like, no, you can't use anything else. Like, like it's like unheard of that you would use any other kind of chili powder in the world. But then when you eat this stuff, you're just like, yeah, you're kind of right. Like nobody would do that. Um, anyway, John Lopez is asking, which Christmas-related stories move you? I like O. Henry's uh, The Gift of the Magi. Um, I, I'll tell you what. Gift of the Magi always reminds me of Sesame Street when Bert and Ernie, like, like got each other gifts, but they had to give away something or sell something else so that they could get it, and then Mr. Cooper gives them the original thing back. Anyway, um, I the Christmas, I think A Christmas Carol, but there's a specific part. It's not the whole – I mean, I love the whole story. We usually go see it every year at Princeton University with, with our students, um, but – there is a part in there where Mr. Fezziwig is this boss of of the of what the hell's that dude's name? Bob Cratchit and I don't know who ever now Bob Cratchit. Um, who's the main dude? I don't know. I don't go with you to go see that. Oh dang it! Anyway, he's the boss, and they do this big Christmas Eve party every single year for their all of their employees and their friends and family. And it reminds me. I was talking in the beginning of this. It reminds me of my house during Christmas where. There is, and I'm going to talk about something else real quick too, because I think this is really cute. Um, my house was the collect all for everyone. So like all, I hung out with a lot of uh, friends that were Jewish. And so when I was younger, and so I would go to their house for Hanukkah or for Passover, and then they would come to my house for Christmas and stuff. And um, it was just, it was fun. All of my friends that didn't have like a loving home that they came from would all come to my house. And it was, we had foster kids. I mean, it was packed in my house every single Christmas. And 
to the fact now that like my family's really fun. Like our family is super fun to hang out with. And my cousin, when Elisa said on Thanksgiving, <laughs> my aunt tried to shut the shades in the front of the house because they have these big giant open windows and they're on a pretty busy street in the town. And she goes, no, no, you can't shut them. People should see us. And someone said, why do you just want to make them feel bad? And she's like, no, I said just, that. <laughs> she goes, oh, did you? She yeah. goes, no, we're just so great. I think we'll like inspire people to want to go have more fun with their families. And I just thought that was, was really, sweetest. it was so sweet. She's such an earnest soul. But uh, yeah, so that's, that's why it's always Fezziwig to the point where like, I thought about getting a Fezziwig tattoo at some point. Someone said Jacob Marley and then I said Scrooge. Oh, Jacob Marley. Yeah. Um, and Scrooge, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge were the two guys that worked for Fezziwig. And then they they so the person that you were dogged him later. Yeah, they like wow. bought him out, and it was bad news. It's like a bad episode of Mad Men later on. Um, my buddy, the diary of a mad black teacher, is asking. Good evening, good evening to you, my friend. Um, happy holidays, CJ and Jen. Question: My lead continues to make certain comments that are uncomfortable because I'm new. I don't address it, but should I always? I think you should always address it. I have a hard time believing that you would not address something i feel like that is like trying to stay low-key i know it just seems like it's like that's not doesn't seem ruth's personality it's like (laughs) against her dna to like stay or i feel like you staying quiet is like someone shaking a bottle of champagne and then like once they pop that cork it's gonna so i would absolutely do it and i i think it's about figuring out how to have those conversations i think that all all difficult conversations should always be had. And I am not, we just had a conversation before we got on here tonight that there are conversations that I need to have in my life that are difficult. And, and, and I don't want to, cause I don't feel like the mess. I don't feel like dealing with, it. I don't feel like, like, I just don't feel like it, but I know it's the only way. And so I think those conversations, the best way to have those is by asking clarifying questions instead of accusing people of what they did. So it's like, I'm hearing you say this and it's making me feel this type of way. Um, but I'm not sure if that's how you mean it. So I don't want to like point a finger, but I'm just one, like, this is how I'm hearing what you're saying. That's a much better way to have a conversation than to say like, you did this and you hurt my feelings and this is what happened. And this is what I'm going to do next. If you keep doing what you're doing instead saying, I'm starting to feel like this. Right. And I think, again, sometimes people hurt us. Sometimes people do stuff and they don't no. And I would say, I never speculate zero in my life. I don't speculate. This drives my wife crazy sometimes because um, we'll have a conversation about something and she'll say like, but I think they meant this. And it's like, no, nope. <laughs> if they didn't say I'm mad at you, you're I'm like, frustrated. You're throwing me under the bus. No, but, but right. But it's like, you're just, you call me out and said, no, she's a speculator. <laughs> no, not all the time. I don't think you speculate. I think it's okay. I'm a speculator. It's all right. It's not a good habit, but I'm honest. I try not to be. Uh, be a spectator. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> some lame wisdom. But right, like I'm always. Yeah. Because I know that, but we operate differently too. Because you can get really <laughs> aggravated about someone and then like turn it off and go wash dishes or do what you have to do. Or play. I can. I stew. Yeah. So I can't. I'm. What I can't do is like. You can snuff your candle quickly. Mine turns into an inferno. And then you're like, sure. I, oh, wait, you're still upset about that? I'm like, yeah, this is what I do. Like, I, <laughs> like I, I know that about myself. So I try not to fuel that fire of like, if I speculate, then I'm going to internalize. And then it's going to keep going and going and going and going and going yeah. in my head. 
And so I try to I speculate and leave it. Yeah. So I have on. to like, kind of like say, nope, if I didn't hear those words, then I will not assess like assume. So mm-hmm. that's what I would do. Um, good luck with that too. At least you have time off or break to kind of like, think about that. I, I practice those conversations. I like literally have them out loud with myself that and prepare for a conversation so that I don't just go and I'm not just winging it um, or writing those things down can help a lot too. Better late than broke, which is a, such a great name, uh, <laughs> is asking, is it wise to sub first to get teaching experience with work with toddlers or volunteer at a school with grades one through eight? Um, I, I subbed once. I get this question a lot where people ask me to make a video about substituting and I don't do it because I subbed once and I hated it so much that I just like, if I kept doing it, I think I would just not have been the teacher. No, I remember. I remember you came home and you go, no, it was awful. This is like the worst thing ever. It was terrible. But maybe it was just because you were new. Like, what if you were a sub now? I think it was because I really wanted to teach so bad and I just thought the students would be a different way. And I didn't have any, there was no power in the classroom when you're a sub. You're just like a warm body sometimes. But I remember people that loved it. There was a guy that I came up with. We student taught at the same school. We're both involved in the drama program, like helping them like build sets and stuff. You remember this dude? And he was like, he was like Nick's boy, like the guy oh, that I yeah, student yeah, taught yeah. with. It was like his homie. And we were like the same age and everything. But he was substituting at the middle school at the same time. And he and you did loved it. Right at that middle he loved it. And I think I got in because he wasn't able to do a class one day. So they called me because I think he maybe like shouted yeah. me out. And he loved it. He went in. He knew all the kids. They knew him. When he needed a job, he went back there. And they were like, heck yeah, we'll hire you right away. And then I just remember thinking like, um, but I think if I had tutored, I would have liked it a lot more. And I, so that's, that would be my recommendation is like, you could still sub, but like, I think tutoring, I'm what, getting something. oh, okay. Uh, you know, we're all <laughs> waiting on the edge of our seats now and see what that is. It's probably a handful of bread. Uh, and I was, tra- I was right. So, uh, that's he, he, never stops eating. he literally never stops eating. He's like the apples. Sarlacc pit. Oh, okay, just two this time. You're so Need great, man. Dinner. Such a great dude. So um, I think Go tutoring. The Wobbler Fish, subscribe to okay. my sister's channel. Okay, so they. Um, I think that doing that is is what I would do is just tutoring kids and like whether that's on your own or through a program or like there's companies like what is it VIP Kids or we worked with Dada ABC before or. Um, putting an ad on Craigslist and seeing if you can tutor someone. That's, that's what I would do because it gives you real interaction with students. Um, I mean, I think I said that right. I mean, is saying, hi there. I teach three times a week. Uh, I teach, I'm sorry. I teach three times a week, three groups of the same level B one it's English as a foreign language. And I have to follow a textbook and it's hard time. And it's a hard time. Any advice I would say, I mean, gosh, is there sometimes I've used textbooks. So when I first started teaching in Camden, the only resource I had was a textbook and I did not want to teach through the textbook, but I didn't have anything else. And this was before, like there was a ton of stuff online. Like, like, I don't even know if like TPT, like actually even existed at that point. But um, I would say, look, look online and see if there's, if something, anyone's made resources for your particular textbook, because maybe somebody out there is like, this is the textbook that I have. This is what I made for these particular lessons in there. Might really help. 
I think also trying to think about ways to make some of those lessons come alive. So in the textbook that I had, it often said like, these are questions that you can ask ahead of time. This is um, a short activity that you could do. And like, but how can you make that more fun? How can you get kids out of your, out of their seats? How can you have them acting a little bit? How can you have them like playing charades or throwing something around the room or playing a game? Or if it's, um, if you're trying to get a sense of like, who agrees or disagrees or, or like maybe, so what one of the things we'll do in class sometimes is I have like agree, disagree in the middle. And so students literally like move their bodies from one side to the other or the middle. So what you're doing is you're taking away their ability to just be quiet. Everyone has to vote, but they're voting with their bodies and not their, and not their mouths. So that helps or having like little whiteboards or pieces of paper or something where their kids are writing down their answer really quickly and then holding it up. It's like a easier way than just, or it's a more fun way than just calling on kids. So it's, can you play music behind anything that you're doing? Can you have a fun little activity where you bring in something to play with or manipulate or draw or create that is um, going to diversify the way that you're, you're communicating stuff. Can you go outside? Like think about maybe like think of your school, and think, where is the best place I could deliver this particular information? So you start thinking about stuff like that. And then I would also just start following creative people. Like, uh, I, I, maybe I should do this. Um, I think I want to make a list, and this kind of puts me on the spot, of teachers that I found in the last year or so that are doing really great stuff in their classrooms that people should be following because it's just really inspiring in a mm. way that makes you want to do better and not a way that makes you feel like crap. So like Becky... Um, whose last name I forget, but Becky is, has a great Instagram. Like, like you just feel like I just want to do better. Like I, like it doesn't make me feel like I'm like, I'm not doing enough. It makes me feel like I am like, I could do that. I could totally take that idea and do that same thing. Or uh, is it Kevin Butler? His Instagram is really great. And he's always doing like stuff where you're like, you know, like he dressed up like a doctor the other day and had like a hospital bed in his room. And like, just people that are doing stuff like that are he had a hospital like backdrop made like so it looked it looked way more fancy than it really was like he made it very doable and simplistic um but really fun yeah how can you change the small how can you change your room slightly can you black out the windows can you make a space where like the students have to gain access to your room to get into whatever you're doing like Um, so just, I think you start thinking like that and the textbook is the textbook. There's sometimes no way around that. Can we supplement that with something awesome? Cause ice cream is always ice cream, but a little bit of hot fudge on the top makes it a whole lot better. A couple of sprinkles on the top just changes it a little bit where it's like, Ooh, it's not boring, plain ass vanilla ice cream anymore. It's like something a little bit more magical. Adding a spoonful of sugar always helps the medicine go down. So that's what I would start thinking about in terms of that. Uh, Cheyenne is asking, what's up, Cheyenne? Uh, I feel like I haven't seen your name, but um, I always remember it because your sister had that friend named Cheyenne. It's the only other person I ever knew with that name in my life. And then there's that. There's a whole story. Wait, was that the house I had to break into in New Mexico? Yeah, okay, let's not talk. All right, let's talk. Okay. Um, (laughs) So had to. It wasn't an option. It was safety thing um hey reynolds i'm aspiring english teacher and i've been subbing for experience i was wondering what your favorite journal topics are i love your content 
uh, DFTBA. What's that? Mean? I don't know. I tried to figure. I'm it not out. young enough for this shine. I don't know what DFTBA means. <laughs> I if I see an F, I always think it's a curse word. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so, anybody? Anybody so know what that old. means? DFTBA. Uh, I have a whole bunch of favorite journal. Are, are they on the website? They're not. So do this. Email me and I'll send you my list. I, I have like just a quick list I made for somebody one time. And I'd be happy to just send it I'm to you. So send me to, it. I'll put it up as a resource um, when I get a sec, but send it to me. Yeah, we can do it over break. Um, Jake do it. Just uh, my, do it. my man, Jake. It's, for those of you that don't know, Jake is like this great resource in our life where like he helps with our podcast. He posts our podcast twice a week. It goes out on Monday mornings and on Fridays, we have like a classic episode. He helps us maintain our website because we don't know how to do any of that. He's just a great dude. <laughs> like he's just a really, really great dude. Oh, don't forget to be awesome. Thank you, everybody. Um, oh, thank you. Because now we know. Because um, <laughs> otherwise. So uh, they, so I have this whole list. So just email me at realrapwithreynolds at gmail.com and I will send you my list of journal entries. Uh, Peyton. Uh, oh, that's Marley's friend's name. Uh, question. I'm 18 and considering being a teacher. Should I do it? Uh, so Peyton, I would say, why? so look, I could ask why wouldn't you do it, but there's so much negative talk around teaching. I think it comes down to like, why would you want to teach? And then start putting yourself in positions where you're teaching, right? So like, get, like, go back to your so, so if you're 18, <laughs> maybe you could tutor ninth graders or the, go back to your middle school or your elementary school to your favorite teacher and say, hey, look, I'm thinking about doing this. Is there a way I could come and engage with students sometimes? Could I, if someone needs a tutor, if someone needs help after school, if I have, if I get out early one day, can I come over to the elementary school and help out and then see if that feels like something that feels good to you? So I know when I started teaching, um, I immediately loved it because I loved engaging with the students every single day. And so that was something I knew I was going to love doing. When I started doing YouTube, it was only through doing it that I started loving this interaction that I have with all these people, all the emails, all the DMs, all the comments, all of the people that I get to mentor, the people that I get to go speak to. Like, I really love doing that, but it was, you'll know right away whether like, it's not going to be dependent on what type of kid you you tutor it's that same feeling with everyone that lets you know whether or not you do it but you you have to do it to figure out if you're going to love doing it and, and it's not going to be like a long process like you'll figure it out pretty quickly um and then you know that's a good question too like i know i still have that hair in my back and it's making me crazy i don't know where it is gosh it's so so dissatisfying um uh, Peyton, if you want, you can, I would, uh, so we have a closed Facebook group, um, but I would give you access to that too. So just go over there and then you just answer the few questions. And if you want to go in there and ask that question, I'm sure there's a ton of teachers that would give you insight. Um, but I would start thinking about like, what age do you want to teach? Where would you want to teach? What would you want to teach? Those are going to help you to figure out whether or not you want to do this job as well. So yeah, best of luck to you. And we're here if you ever need anything. Maisha is asking, question what are some early finisher ideas activities that can be used when you can use that maybe low prep or not problematic um i think gosh what do i do i do all dumb stuff i was gonna say you do a lot of weird i do like, a lot of weird things like see things. if like i like uh ideas where kids are at the back of the room and they throw expo markers underhand and try and land them on the 
the right. chalk ledge in front of the board. Um, I have, if you go on my, on my YouTube channel, there's a video that I made. It's like five ways that like, if you run short on time or like you don't have enough to get through. Um, I think it's also like, there's so much stuff available anymore to supplement what you're doing. So I, I, I reference these two things all the time. I'm going to reference them again. Cause I think they're really good for this. I think scholastic and I partner with them. So I'm just going to be transparent. Um, their magazines are really great and their online content's really great because it, it, it helps you to like sometimes supplement things um, when you run short on time. Because I know like right before winter break, I had like two and a half days where my project that I was doing, I wanted to run right till the end. And then on that last half day, we were just going to do something fun, but it's, it ended like two days short. And I was like, oh, now, now what? Like, the the car ran out of gas and I don't have any know what to do. So I just did scholastic stuff the last two days or, or New York times has free lesson plans on there and they're really good too. And that's a good way to kind of like, so you're not just like watching a movie or just watching a TV show. And those are fine choices as long as I think you do something with them. But um, that was a cool way to, for me to supplement what I was doing. Uh, and I'm sure there's a hundred other people on here that would have really great uh, stuff to say to that as well. Um, Aman is asking, hey, Reynolds, uh, you got a new watch. What is it? So I, all my watches, I get a lot of comments on my watches all the time. Um, I buy them at Target and they are like $20. So they look really nice. They sound like a piece of crap. And they, they sound like, yeah, like, like when you put this watch down, it just sounds like it's made with nothing. Oh. Like it just sounds like an empty tin can. They're really pretty. And you, yeah, but they're really great looking. And, and I don't like spending a lot of money on that stuff, but I love having a watch on because uh, I just like, I don't want to have to look at my phone because you know what? Like when you pull your phone out, now I have to see all the pop up, even though I, I block most of my, my push notifications, but there's all like it, the draws there for me to want to go in. So I'd much rather just check my watch and keep going. And then I'm not, the temptation is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tracy Martin is saying, I will question, I will be moving to five to five through seven reading after four years and three, four. My principal says I need to teach guided reading and centers, which I've done in three, four, but do you have any advice on how to do it for five through seven? Um, that's a great question. So I don't, I, Tracy, I feel like this is sometimes there's questions that like, if I, could talk this out, I might be of more help, but I don't teach kids that are that young. So I think, you know, one of the tricky things when I get students that are on such low reading levels in my, in my room as a ninth grade teacher is that I don't know how to teach people to read. Like I didn't learn that skill in, in, in college because the expectation at least was that kids would know how to read. So typically the reason kids can't read by the time they get to ninth grade is because there's some undiagnosed issue there that was never addressed. They are dyslexic. They have processing disorders. They, you know, any number of things are going on there and they didn't get the help that they needed. And now it's like, now Reynolds, here they are, do something. Um, and we need to see in your portfolio at the end of the year that that kid's grades came up. So I think what I would tell you to do is the same thing that I do is I go ask people that are in the know. I find the best people. So I would go to the Facebook group. I would ask here in the comment section. I would look people up on Instagram or and send them DMs or look people up on Facebook and send them DMs. Like uh, Jen Jones. Jen, Jen oh, Jones, Jen Jones is like that's the where I would best go. resource. And she lo- just has such a heart. So her YouTube reading. channel doesn't have much on it. 
But if you go to Jen Jones, just type in Jen Jones and it's got to pop up. Like her her website or her Instagram's really and she'll answer really your good. DM. She will hundred percent reading. And if you tell oh, she, her she wants that I sent you, that might just make it pop a little bit more. But she answers. She's answered every DM I've ever sent her, and she has a lot of engagement. So I don't know how she does it all, but. Um, just say, hey, CJ Reynolds sent me over. This is what's going on. This is what I'm trying to figure out. Could you help me out with this in any way? And I guarantee you that she helps you out because she's like such a wonderful, wonderful human being. That's my answer. Yeah, and she Good is job. all kinds Jen, of It's all great. Jen Jones. Yeah, she's super wonderful. When I saw her she speak last year, <clears throat> I saw her speak at the Impact Driven Teacher Conference in Miami. And I didn't know who she was. And I was just like, Every once in a while, there's a speaker that I'm like, dang, like, how did I not know about this person before? Mm -hmm. Are you reading it? I was finding questions. Sometimes okay. I can't tell if they're yeah, questions. Yeah, I got or... it. Um, Aman is asking, I worked in a Waldorf school, a philosophy that uses curriculum aligned with child development. We do not use any technology and use chalkboard drawings. Have you ever heard of this philosophy? I've never heard of that in my life. I heard of a Waldorf, Waldorf school. I just really? didn't know exactly what their philosophy was. I thought it was on the same lines of Montessori. I wonder, I'd love to know more about that. I'd love to, like, what is the reasoning behind that? Um, I love the idea of curriculum aligned with child development is great. Yeah, that sounds like Montessori sort of, mm -hmm. but... We don't use any technology and we use chalkboard drawings. Lauren and Robert's daughter, Ella, goes to water, Waldorf School. What, for, for what? Like, I wonder why they it's get just, rid of technology. I mean, oh, so I, I think technology is like, especially for new teachers, might want to think about this too. Is like, some people use technology in a great way. They use it for coding in their classrooms. And my friend Adam Welcome talks a lot about this. And if you ever get the chance to see him speak, he does a really good job of sort of articulating this idea. And whereas some folks will, they think technology is taking that worksheet and now putting it on a tablet and it's the same exact thing that you're doing, but now it's on a tablet and we're using technology, but that's not really a teaching kids to use technology. Um, I think he has a term for it. It's like empty technology. Yeah, or something like, like that. It's kind of useless technology. Yeah, so I think that that's interesting. Yeah. No, me. I think that's a really great like no i think people don't know how to use technology like really use it in the classroom i think a lot of it's like yeah it's like it's like that but at least in our like i middle school largely like, do not have technology like i taught for years with no technology my power there's a question points, actually down here somewhere i read it it's about like they don't have technology in do you remember classroom? when i started teaching in camden I know. my powerpoints i didn't <laughs> have powerpoint so i got a giant crayola crown uh pad and I would write, I got the biggest, fattest crayons that I could find, and I would write I on it. No, this was an art pad. Like, oh. I didn't even know what that <laughs> was because I was so new. So I just got a giant pad of paper. <laughs> and then I looked like I was uh, like one of those girls in a bikini that's like telling you the next round in the boxing match. And then I was just like walking around with this thing until everyone wrote it down. Then I would change the page and then walk around with that thing because I had. It, even if I wanted a TV, it was like a TV and a VCR on a cart yeah. that was in the hallway. And they were always broken all the time. Yeah. And I would have to steal them. It was a nightmare. I think a nightmare. Uh, Jack is asking, Wait, hey, did, man. Did you actually answer that? I don't think I actually answered that question. Oh, but you know, was, but they were just asking me if I knew about that philosophy. And oh, I've never okay. heard of it. But I think it's interesting. Like yeah. It's something I'm going to look up because now I don't like when I don't know what's something that someone yeah. is asking about. Um, and that's actually a cool thing to reach out to Lauren about and ask her, mm -hmm. like, why would they choose that? And then 
what's the reasoning? Because she's so yeah. articulate also. Uh, hey, man, I am, I'm at MAT. I'm, oh, I'm an MAT student at SN, S-U-N-Y. I'm not sure what that is. New Platts for Adolescent English Ed. I'm wondering if you could give any insight into starting teaching career post-graduation. Um, is inner city teaching a worthwhile way to start? I, uh, especially when you're living in New York. So I, it depends on what your school is. I, I don't think, so look, I used to think that teaching inner city was the only thing for me because I wanted to teach somewhere that had a hard time keeping good teachers. Cause I felt like those students and I, and I've always been like, because of my faith, I think, especially it, like I've always been drawn to marginalized communities because they just want it to help. So the reason that we live in the neighborhood that we live in is because we felt like they needed good neighbors or could use good neighbors. So us and all of our friends at one point, about 10 years ago, maybe 50 of us eventually all moved into the same neighborhood um, to be good neighbors and to be part of a community and, and to, to give. So that being said, the longer I've taught and the more I've gotten speak places, the more I realize good teachers are needed everywhere. Um, because just because your school's great and just because there's teachers there that have a lot of qualifications doesn't always mean there's really good teachers there or teachers that are caring for students on a deep level. And so I, I, I think I was wrong about that. I think that schools like the ones I've taught in definitely need good teachers and definitely need good people to stay. But that if that's not your jam, um, cause it can be hard. I mean, you deal with a lot of Stuff that even when I wrote my book, I'll give you a little bit of insight into this. When I wrote my book, um, a sensitivity editor went through. And one of the things she noted was how I sort of glossed over the fact that, like, I've lost a lot of students, that people have been killed in the neighborhood in, in which I teach. Um, and when we talked about that, we unpacked it a little bit. It's like you kind of get to this place where that can't stop you because the students need you because you have to keep showing up for work and people either become like me. And I started sort of becoming desensitized to that or it destroys you and you have to leave and go to another school. And, and I don't think like that. So that's a, that's a whole conversation. There. I'm not saying one of those is right or wrong. Um, but that was the way that I, I guess I sort of unintentionally started to get through some of those moments was like, I had to like, callous myself to an extent um, to get through those. So if that's not for you and you know that, then I would think about other schools. So I would say, do you know what Justin's, what's uh, Parker's homies um, Instagram? Because I would say that they should connect with him. Oh, oh she's Snap. You, don't have to, you don't have to go to it. Uh, if, if you hit me up, if you DM me, um, I will, I'll, I'll put you in touch with this guy who teaches in, I think the Bronx or Brooklyn. And he's part of the hip hop ed community. And it's my friend, Justin, I'm, I forget what his. Uh, Just experience. Something like that. I forget what his Instagram is, but he's awesome. He's doing great stuff. And he came from like uh, Connecticut and now teaches in New York. And he's just a great dude. Like you're, you'll be a better human being just for knowing who this guy is. Because he's that kind of guy that just puts off that energy that you're like, damn. Like you just feel better about everything when you hang out with him. So if you're interested, hit me up and I'll, and that might be a good person to ask that question to. F. Weber is asking, hey, Reynolds, I'm a senior in high school and I am for sure going to community college and to transfer into a four-year school. I'm curious, does it matter if I go to a public or private school to become a teacher? I don't think it matters at all. Um, and also, congrats to you for going to community college. I think community college gets such a bad rap. Like, 
my students think that that is like you're a failure if you go to community college. I think I learned more at community college than I did at my four-year school one. And I, that was maybe serendipitous because I just had really interesting teachers. I loved community college. I am a huge advocate of community college because I got to go there. And some of this was my life circumstances, right? Because both my parents had passed away. So I didn't have any help. So I got to go for free. But tons of my students would go for free also and then not have debt. I think the, the whatever schools you can go to to get out of school with the least amount of debt is the way to go all the time. Um, so, but I don't think that it matters if you go to a public or private. Like it's going to depend like on, yeah, it, it, sometimes that depends on like the school, the, the state that you're in. Like, so, so that might, I don't know that I'm actually qualified to answer this question. Um, cause I think it depends on like where you want to teach and where you're going to school and where you want to, like what schools you want to get into and like what your state says, like, um, so I think if you want to teach at more affluent schools, like, and not deal with some of the issues that come in an inner city school, yeah. I think you need to have a better, but that, but I, look I, at the I, guy I would who beat you out for, that. but I would say it's who, you know, also. Because I think True, if right? I got into an interview, even at that school, I would have crushed. I'm looking at that yeah, bougie school I got look, into in Cherry Hill. That, yeah, you just look bad on paper. Yeah, I tell this story in the book. Um, that The part of it I'll tell you now is like, uh, I got hired by like this really fancy school in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And it's not the kind of place that I wanted to teach. But like, I got in not because of my resume. I got in because I just do well in interviews. Yeah. Um, but on paper, even still, I looked like like not impressive at all. It's like, <laughs> it had like went to community college for way too many years, and then went to Rowan and had like failed my praxis the first time because I, you know, I failed my praxis. Um, but like, I was like, I'll challenge anyone in the classroom, like, like put kids in front of me and watch, watch me try and do what I think I can do. And I'll win. But on paper, I just like, college was a struggle. And that's, there's a whole story there and, and, and stuff. But like, that was just, it was tricky. Um, Summer Tate is asking, what is one strategy that is simple and helpful for sped kids in a general classroom? I am part of a committee at school that is trying to give teachers inclusion tools to help with behavior and academics summer i would say one i made i just made a video about this called uh sped on a budget that's on youtube it's like five or six ideas that i use in my classroom but i think one is um sort of diversifying the way that you teach so like differentiating instruction is really important because you're gonna I've had students that have had like the wildest ADHD that would lie about taking medication and not really take it because they didn't like the way that it made them feel. But you put the right project in front of them. Like I'm thinking last year with one particular student, we did, we used Legos and that dude has never been that silent. I mean, he was locked in to the Legos he was creating and the way that he was going to do this thing. And it was Lord of the Flies. And so he made this plane that was half the plane as the other part disappeared and he made it look like it was broken in a, in a plane crash. And it was, it was just really well done, but it's because we didn't just stick to the script and do it the normal way. Um, and I think flexible seating as much as anyone can possibly do it, like providing standing desks or areas for students to sit or stand or move around a little bit is always a really good idea. And then there's a million other things. I think manipulatives are really great idea. So going to the dollar store and buying like 
um, pipe cleaners or like little things that you can like, like fidgets that are silent that you can play with in your hand. Or I use silly putty. I give out a lot and kids just sit there and like twist it around their hands or like pushing on things. And so they're listening. They're still doing the, and I learned this from my son. My son does this every time we have a conversation. No, one day, one day CJ was reading yeah, to so, him right? and he got mad. He goes, because he, he's doing this. yell at him. And I'm I was like, pissed yeah, I know going, you know better. You're he's a going, teacher he's going like this. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, could you, why are we, why are we reading this book? And you're not even listening to me. He goes, I am, but I am listening to you. I go, oh yeah. I pulled one of these classic dad moves. Right? I go, oh yeah. Well then what did I just say? And he goes, well, you said, and then he runs down the exact storyline of what had been happening. And I was like, oh, oh, he goes, yeah, I just can't sit still. And I was like, it was like a light bulb moment for me where I thought, gosh, like kids that are moving around can still be listening and actually paying attention. They just don't look like the rest of the vanilla kids in the classroom. And so giving them things to play with and doodle and not dogging them for doodling or staring off in the space, like they can still be taking in whatever's happening, but they just do it in their own way. And it's about helping kids to lean into that more, to not feel bad about who they are or what they're about or who like their differences. Um, that is gigantic for, for students. Um, I will say that now, homeschooling Brody I'm aware of all that and I allow him to do that but sometimes he'll get he plays with a slinky or a little like handheld physics slinkies, yeah. um and I can hear him like shh, 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 like making the story up in his head and I'm like okay if you're like creating the story in your head you're not listening to what I'm yeah. reading so like you can fidget with something but you can't imagine I yeah tell yeah yeah because then he's tuned out yeah uh before we get done i want to answer these last questions but um i real quick want to just shout out um because i'm just thinking about jake and i'm just thinking about the people that help out all the time like uh my friend tracy pinter who's on here every single week and is like usually the first person in the chat who helps like make sure people are being heard she sends me notifications if like so if i need to make sure that i touch base with someone she gets rid of weirdos that show up on here and just start she yelling about satan and stuff like that yeah week. she posts in the facebook group every week and like on the page to, to let everyone know that this is happening mm -hmm. um my friend uh unicorns rock is on here also and unicorns does the same thing she's like kind of like in here to help people along make people feel seen and heard and all that stuff and uh <laughs> yeah but she's she's so consistent and she's so yeah. lovely and she's really great to follow on Instagram as well. If you, if you need someone new to follow, because she plays ukulele, she's like in love with playing ukuleles, which is really great. Um, my friend Edie, who helps us do like all of our administrative stuff, she's like my she's my uh, virtual assistant. Um, helps me keep all of my emails in in check and like lets me know if there's something I really really need to get on top of. So like all of this happens because of the help of a bunch of other people. It's not just me at, in there like doing this every week, but it's like me with the help of all these other folks, like my not so secret wife. Um, so I just want to take a moment and say, I'm really thankful for you, for you all. Uh, what do you got? Question? Uh, two more. Got it. Mr. McGarva is asking, I don't, sometimes they say people's names. It's so weird. I don't know how I do it. Uh, aspiring music teacher in first year of university. Awesome. <clears throat> Thought about being a music teacher, but I only play drums. So that was really not an option. Um, can I ask if there's any tips you have to 
helped me get started on my teaching journey. So I would say, um, again, I, I think, I just think getting involved is the number one thing here. Like go teach somebody music, give music lessons. If you haven't done that already, it, it's the, the thing about teaching is it's not ever about the content. We all know the content. Like I love reading. That's why I became a literature teacher. I would expect that anyone that teaches science, math, music, gym, they love what they do. Although I've always had unhealthy looking gym teachers. That's a weird thing. I never had like one healthy looking gym teacher. They always had like big beer bellies and like looked like they were smoking while we were running <clears throat> around the track. And like, they didn't really want to have any, they didn't want to have any activities. They just wanted us to go run the track. <laughs> anyway. Um, so that being said, uh, it is always about how to communicate what you are trying to communicate to children and how do you connect with children? And the only way you're going to be able to do that is by actually connecting with children. So, and that's any age it's about, and, and then there's many different types of personalities that you can connect with because some kids love music. I loved music growing up because I played music. So I loved music class. I understood it. It made sense to me, but I remember there being other kids who are like, Oh my God, I hate music class. It's like literally the worst thing that we have to go to all week. So how can you start thinking about and actually writing down? Cause you, you chance are, you won't remember what are great ideas? What are things I could do? Like, one of the best activities I ever had to do in college was I had this professor at Rowan University named Dr. Jorgensen, who I don't think works there anymore because I tried to follow up with her. But anyway, she had us make um, a binder back in the day of uh, it was called your idea binder and it was broken into different parts. But the, essentially, you would like type up ideas or put sticky notes in there. It was sort of like a journal of just great ideas and how you can implement them in your classroom. I still have mine, it's in my attic now because they're probably archaic ideas now, but the idea was you're just always coming up with ideas and when you come up with them, you save them, you write them down, you put them somewhere and that's how you do it every year. And it's uh, it's a great way to sort of like start thinking about that because I think it's a muscle. I think coming up with ideas and being creative is a muscle and times in my life, when I get stagnant, it's like, all right, I have to start just trying stuff. And the more I try stuff, the better I get at it. And then the more I do it. So that's what I would do. I would start finding kids and teaching them music, even if it's on a street corner, which might be a little weird. So be ready for that activity. Um, this is my other, my other question. Uh -huh. Nathan is asking, my school is really different. There's really deficient, I'm sorry, in technology and other resources. Any ideas? I think, look, my friend, who told me this? Was it Jen Jones? Adam Welcome? I think it was Jen Jones. Jen Jones said that you should never not have something in donor's shoes. Like you should always have some project in donor's shoes because any number of times during the year, I think she said last year, Bill Gates, Bill Melinda Gates went in and paid for everything in donor shoes. Well, look at anyone that had a thing. Literally, what, I had a donor shoes in there two years ago, maybe three years ago. That I just you never did anything with, right? And, and I, I thought like if you didn't get all the money you needed by the time you needed it, it all went away. So I just didn't know that there was still money in there. Then someone finds me the other night. I have zero idea who this individual really is or how they found me, and. They just gave $500 to me for my classroom. So I think you go on to things like donor's shoes or you write a grant. 
There are millions and millions and millions of dollars in Title I money for grants for teachers that, that is never, ever used. And I know this because I know people that tap into this and help schools tap into that. It's like their whole or business yep. model. And it, the great thing about that is well, what they said was, I said, well, why doesn't anyone do this? Why don't they ask for these grants? They said, because Title I teachers specifically are dealing with so many other things that there's like not enough time to like sit down and like, who wants to write a grant after a 12 hour day of dealing with people that are like, have fires in their lives that are going on. So Mm -hmm. how do you like chill and, and, and get your mind right so you can actually write a grant. So I would, to the best of your ability, either write a grant or do something on donors choose and always have something going. Like this is a plan of mine in the new year is to always have something on donors choose. So I'm always getting books or seating or um, Kindles for my class or something that my students could use and just creating that, putting it out there. And if it wins, it wins. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But man, wouldn't it be amazing if you could get laptops or iPads or Kindles or whatever, a projector for your class that really, really needed it? Um, that's what I would do. Good answer. Cool. Gang, listen, it is... Christmas break, hopefully for all of you. And I really hope that you have the best Christmas break ever. I love this time of year because it is a time for me to literally look at all of my goals that I made the last year and see what worked and what didn't work. And it is a chance for me to dream and get some vision for what I want this year to look like. So in my personal life, in my relationship with my wife, with my kids, with my friends, in school, in business. And I love that so much because I really like, I envision the whole thing and then I just start reverse engineering my whole life into these micro actions that are going to help me gain access to this next thing. So like last year, I decided to run every day for a year and I did it. I'm on day, today will be day 376 or 77, something like that. Um, And then I have this new activity that I'm going to do for health and wellness this year that I'm going to talk about in a video coming up. Um, Last year, I didn't write one word of a book, but like I wrote a book slowly but surely i made these little micro jobs for myself and then i was able to write an entire book and then that book teacher class off comes out in march of 2020 like it's uh, about update <laughs> well we don't really exactly it's gonna probably come out in oh april. and the thing about the book i was going to mention i, I meant to say we got pushback. it might be pushed back to the beginning of april now because it's the holidays but and some stuff got pushed off uh but um pre-ordering i have a meeting this coming week with um with my publisher to find out right this coming week to find out about like the book launch and how that's going to look and so then i'll have information on for people that like everyone keeps asking me when they can pre-order the book so i'll have all that information for you but know that like i because all of you asked i specifically contacted uh shelly burgess and she and i are going to have a uh talk about it and figure all that stuff out so that's coming um so yeah Get excited about your year. Think big. What could you do? What would it look like if your life was the most awesome, if your classroom was the most awesome? And then plan accordingly. And so that's what my plan is for this year. So look, I hope everyone has a great Christmas if you celebrate Christmas. Um, and if not, I hope you have a great hot, like break anyway. So uh, that's it, everybody. Have a great break. But I just said that. So now I'm just going to have an awkward ending. Peace.
And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week. Peace.